1: No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.
2: Hi, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of the Legends of Sport podcast. I'm your host, Andy Bernstein. Our guest today is Dawn Staley. Dawn is currently wearing two hats. One as the head coach of the women's basketball team at the University of South Carolina and the second as head coach of the USA Women's National Team. Dawn and I met during the 1996 Olympics in Atlanta where she won her first of three gold medals representing the United States. We talk about how her journey took her from the projects of North Philadelphia to the University of Virginia the ABL, being voted one of the 15 best players in WNBA history and ultimately enshrined into the Naismith Basketball Hall of Fame in 2013. Dawn's Gamecocks won a national championship in 2017, and we talk about how adversity fueled her drive to succeed throughout her life, who her mentors were along the way, and the wisdom she tries to impart on her student-athletes. Dawn has been active in the community since her early years as a professional, and we talk about the mission of her various service organizations. A really, really interesting person, and I think a really, really interesting podcast. So thanks, everybody, for tuning back in, and as always, I'll see you on the back side. Well, I want to welcome Dawn Staley to the Legends of Sport podcast. So wonderful to see you, and uh, reconnect um i actually saw you a couple of weekends ago we were in uh at the mohegan sun and it was the uh the 2020 enshrinement even though it's in 2021 which is weird but um with tamika catchings and she had you as one of her presenters right and um that was a great moment um can you talk about that a little bit, about the bond that you have had with Tamika, you still have with her? Because um, I just want to read what uh, what she said. She credited you in her speech as the person who taught her how to lead and how to use her voice in so many ways on and off the court, including challenging the status quo and inspiring future generations. So that's a pretty heavy, uh, <laughs> uh, I, I don't know if it's a burden or not, but I think that's a wonderful thing to have passed on to her.
1: Um, I mean, I, I think uh, um, when you are a teammate of someone, um, you are, you know, they see you every day. Mm-hmm. They they know who you are as a person. They know what's in your heart. Um, and by any, by no means was I trying to impress anybody. <laughs> I was just being me. And when you are your authentic self, I, I do think it resonates with people. Um and I, I'm very fortunate. Tamika Catchings has always been my my favorite WNBA player. Mm-hmm. Um mm-hmm. so to hear those words coming from her even, you know, even when you know it was before the the Hall of Fame days mm-hmm. when she was just you know making a name for herself and I I you know she would always tell me that you know I was I was an inspiration to her Mm -hmm. and she would always tell me, you know, how much of a, you know, great teammate I was to her. And um, here's, here's the catch. I I can, I can say ditto to all of those things um, (laughs) because she was that for me, the way she carried herself, you know, her work ethic, um, her, her ability to attract people in a positive way and her spirit, I mean, she's a giver. Mm-hmm. So um, I, I actually did not hear the words because I couldn't hear. When you're behind the when yeah, you're right. behind the speaker,
0: yeah.
1: I could hear nothing. My only cue was when everybody else clapped. <laughs> clapped. <Right. laughs> but and I didn't go back. I didn't really go back and, and, and listen to it either because I've been, you know, hustling, bustling. But mm-hmm. people had told me, you know, I was in her speech a couple of times. Mm-hmm. And um, for me, I just felt blessed to be on the stage to present her uh, because she was an easy. She's an easy. um, Yes. I don't think I could ever say no to her. Mm -hmm. um, Any ask, um, you know, that Tamika would ever have of uh, of me. Mm
0: -hmm.
2: Yeah, it was a beautiful speech. And uh, Tamika is a good friend and a friend of the podcast. Of course, we had her on. And uh, um, so she was referring to, I guess, the 2004 Olympics when you guys were we're uh, teammates, right? And I reached yeah. out to another teammate of yours, um the great Sue Bird, the goat herself, uh, about a quote about you, okay? Oh. <laughs> and instead of a quote, she gave me a story to ask you. She said uh, she said ask Dodd about the alarm clock that you had on your sneakers during the Olympic run in 2004. <laughs> When you told Van Chancellor, Coach, that quote, practice needed to be short and sweet because after an hour the alarm clock goes off on your shoes, and that's when they come off. Is that true? Is that a true story?
1: Do remember that? Still, she, uh, that's incredible. She has an incredible a great memory. memory. Great point guard, you know. Great point guard. And all remembers. They remember all everything. Right. But you know, Van Chancellor was a, I, I, I would say he was the perfect coach at the time that uh. You know the the 2004 Olympics roll around because mm-hmm. we 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 were kind of half experienced mm-hmm. and half inexperienced.
0: Yeah,
1: But yeah. we had a core group of players together and 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 basically it was my third Olympics. I think Lisa Leslie was there. We had so many people that were used to being there, so we kind of knew what to expect. And, mm-hmm. but we also didn't want to cheapen um, the young players' experience, like Sue and Diana. Mm-hmm. Um, but we knew, you know, I knew that there was very little tread left on these knees. So I wanted to just conserve as much as possible. So I did say that uh, to Van that let's let's get this over with, because when that alarm clock started going off, you know, I I, I just I just can't shut it oh I have to shut it down
2: right yeah I hear you I don't know if you know this story but it it, uh, Bill Sharman told me this story and and he's told it he told it to a lot of people but you know Bill Sharman invented the game day shoot around right which you know got the players moving on a game day they just weren't lounging around or sleeping late or whatever and he got them out early onto the court and uh when Wilt played for him at the Lakers, <laughs> Wilt was not an early riser, to say the least. <laughs> and so Wilt said to him, he said, Coach, you got me one time today. You pick it.
1: <laughs> I love it. I, lo- I, <laughs> I
2: love, love it. Great. As a coach, I'm sure you could appreciate that, right? So, so Don, you're tell me where you're at right now. I mean, you're getting ready for the Olympics. We're hoping the Olympics happen, right? I mean, everybody's, you know, full steam ahead, but... We don't know 100 percent. Right. Mm-hmm. So where does that stand right now with you and the team and and, you know, training camp and all that?
1: Well, I, I, for me, I, I decided to um, I decided to coach another team, the America team. Mm-hmm. And we are in Columbia, South Carolina, as we speak, where we have a, a training camp for the next uh, seven days. And then we'll, we'll fly over to Puerto Rico and play in America cup tournaments until the 19th of June. Mm-hmm. And then that's when I kind of flip this, the, the switch <laughs> and get the, the Olympic hat, the Olympic coach hat on uh, where we'll be probably three weeks from when we return from the America mm-hmm. to getting together for training camp for the, for the Tokyo games. And I'm, i'm I'm not gonna put it get it put in my mind that we're not gonna we' it's gonna be canceled. I just mm-hmm. have to just really put my mindset on going to tokyo competing in tokyo mm-hmm. you know and you know hopefully winning in <laughs> tokyo
0: yeah um
1: so i'm i'm in I'm in a space of let's if we're gonna play it let's go yeah
0: yeah we're you. gonna
1: cancel it let's cancel it early because you know we're 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 gearing up for that and and you want to stay in that mold. So I'm going to stay in that mold until, until they make a, a final decision.
2: Yeah. So Sue and Diana are on that team that are going to, go, that's going to go to Tokyo, potentially winning the, their fifth gold medal. I mean, that's unbelievable if you think about it, right? Unprecedented. Um, what's it like to coach them after being competing against them and, and, uh, you know, being teammates and all that? Is that, it, it's got to be a little surreal, right?
1: I mean, it it is. I mean, they are. You know, they're easy to coach. Mm -hmm. I mean, (laughs) they they they're a cheat code um, when it comes to playing a game. They Mm -hmm. they know how to outfox their opponents. Mm -hmm. They know how to outfox officials. I mean, really, they just know where you know the angles of each official on the floor, and they know (laughs) they know where they can. And I, I won't even say it's cut. You know, cut corners. It is understanding the game and. And understanding how you preserve being out there on the floor mm-hmm. um, four or five Olympic games, or I think mm-hmm. Sue's been in the league for twenty years, mm-hmm. so it it is quite incredible that they're able to play um, not just physically, because obviously you know physically you 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 lose a step here or there,
0: mm-hmm.
1: where they're winning the game is mentally
0: mm-hmm. and
1: and cerebrally. and we are able to master it like they have you create longevity Mm -hmm. in this game and I'm, I'm super proud of them. I, you know, we wouldn't want to leave the country without them. Mm -hmm. Um, and they will will definitely make a a huge impact on our team as they have, um, in four other Olympic games
2: Mm -hmm, for sure. So I don't know if you remember, but you and I met, um, during the 96 run, right. Um, the Atlanta Olympics and I covered that whole training camp and the, you know up through the gold medal and everything we had a lot of fun <laughs> during that run that was referred to as the first women's dream team really right um what was that just talk a little bit about that experience what do you what are the top two or three memories of that experience for you
1: well well probably the top memory is um i, I just thought tar worked us i mean <laughs> he you know there's a such thing as overtraining and there's a such thing <laughs> as overpreparing right right <laughs> but but she was taking no shorts mm-hmm. and we had to win the gold medal.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um and she chose the way that she saw best for her, which was um I, I, I would I, I would say it was a little bit unorthodox in that Tara chose herself as a sacrificial lamb, so to speak, in that she chose to separate herself, meaning not, not in not in a like a physical way mm-hmm. in a, in a, in a more mental and spiritual space and that um, she made it super hard training that we, we only had to depend on ourselves to get through not mm-hmm. her.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So we, she, she forced us to have chemistry because of her, her training style and her coaching style. Um, because I, I think she felt the pressure of um, not only winning the gold medal, but, if you can remember two women's professional leagues were birthed mm-hmm. from our experience. Mm-hmm. So she felt, uh, some of that pressure, um, to, to be successful. Mm-hmm. And I just, she created that, but I, I you know, a sisterhood was, uh, was, was developed and birth from, from that experience. Mm-hmm. And, um, if I had to do it all over again, could it be done differently? Obviously, but, but Tara Tar chose it her way, and mm-hmm. I can't fault her for doing it her way. And we won, and we won, and and nobody came close to even um, competing uh, to, to get a win mm-hmm. in, in 1996. I think the closest was uh, 18,
0: mm-hmm. if mm-hmm. I'm
1: not mistaken.
2: Yeah, um, yeah.
1: And that's a pretty big uh, margin.
2: Yeah, and, and like you said, it, it set the stage for um, profession, two professional leagues at the same time coming in, right? And, uh, you know, I want to I talk about, Don. go back to your history. We always like to find out where people came from or, I uh, guess, what made them legends, right? So you grew up in North Philly. I have a daughter actually who lives in Philly. She went to school there. She went to U Arts. She stayed in Philly. She loves Philly, right? Growing up <laughs> yeah. in New York, we had family in Jersey in new england but i never went to philly like philly was like you know i could have gone to like you know the moon but because we never went south we went either west or north you know um i was a huge rangers fan growing up so we hated the only thing i knew about philly is that we hated the flyers you know <laughs> so we've had other guests besides yourself from philly uh most recently paul westhead of course you know we can think of kobe who's been on the show other greats like hank gathers Bo kimball Earl Monroe, Rasheed Wallace, great coaches like Chuck Daly, Jim Lynam, Jack Ramsey. I mean, what is it about Philly? Okay, we, I've had this conversation with Jason Kidd and and um, uh, Gary Payton about Oakland. Okay, but what is it about Philly that sets that basketball that that brand of basketball apart? Especially in your sense, I want to talk more about coaching. Like, wh- what came from Philly that made you a great coach?
1: Well. in in, in Philly, you have to understand that it's, it's really just not a sport. It's a lifestyle. Yeah. Like, you know, being around sports and, and, and the basketball, you, you had so much competition, Mm -hmm. but also so much, um, love like everybody wants everybody to do well in Philly yet, we want to outdo each other, mm-hmm. but we want each other to do well. <laughs> so we won't let each other fail. We'll just do enough to help them out, to keep the bragging rights and the pride going for, <laughs> for whatever neighborhood that, that you represent. So right. we, in North Philly, we always feel like we had the best of the best. Yeah. And I'm, I'm sure West Philly and South Philly, they'll, they'll all say they had the best. <laughs> um, but when you, when you put us all together, there is it. I don't think there is another city that can that has produced what we produced um, in the basketball world, in the college ranks and mm-hmm. the pro ranks. Um, so that is what is our separation. And that is what kind of allowed us to create some thick skin, because we were you know, we were our, our worst critics and our biggest supporters.
0: Mm-hmm. If mm-hmm. you
1: can if you can balance that out. Mm-hmm. Um We could talk about each other, but surely we wouldn't let anybody else talk about (laughs) us. Anyone, anyone, like like to this day, like we're (laughs) I'm a part of this. uh, It's called 12 inches over. It is um, a lot of the Philly coaches, um, assistant coaches, head coaches, um, the DMV. We got we got Jersey. We got we got a couple of uh, Mm -hmm. coaches in that surrounding area, and we just go back and forth. Just 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 kind of reaming each other about who's the best. Like, you know, Pooh, Pooh, Jerome Allen is, yeah, he's he's from Philly, Uh but they give him a hard time. You know, when you can't talk about someone's game, you start talking about other things. Like Pooh and the Celtics um, in the playoffs, um, you know, one of the coaches always talks about Pooh's pants. Like Pooh has, (laughs) Pooh's got a European (laughs) style. So, you know, he's got, you know, the shorter pants and the, you know, nice shoes and 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 they ream him all the time about about his outfits because they know when he played the game it was he was the very best at what he did.
2: Yeah. Well, I I watched a great uh, show about you The Playbook on Netflix. It was uh, really well done and uh I learned a lot about you from that show, you know, that you're the youngest of five kids um, that you had to play against the boys because that's where the competition was, you know, very similar conversation I had with Nancy Lieberman and Ann Myers Drysdale, that they just had to play against the boys. I mean, the girls just didn't <laughs> just didn't cut it. And you talked very um, eloquently about respect, about having to earn respect. Can you talk a little bit about that growing up?
1: And, and we have to go back to that Philly conversation, Yeah, you know, Philly will not give you anything Mm -hmm. like they're not going to say, "Okay, well, here, you know, here's an opportunity or or here not going (laughs) to happen. So what, what what I had to do as a girl, I had to just persistently go out on the court to just show my my loyalty and my faithfulness. To being out there because <laughs> they immediately think you have you have an alternative motive. Them yeah. and their girlfriends. Yeah. So yeah. I mean, I just had to persistently go out there and just <laughs> w- 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 when I can get in, get in. When I couldn't get in, I watch and I would just shoot on the you know shoot when they on one side of the, the the basket, I would shoot on the other, mm-hmm. just so you're 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 in constant um, audition mode.
0: Mm-hmm. When,
1: when you're growing up and feeling you're the only girl that's out there. And then, um, knowing knowing boys, knowing them, <laughs> they forgot to bring a ball right. to the court. <laughs> I love so that I, part. You know, yeah. play without, you know, take, you know right. only boys would do that. You know right. what I'm saying? You're going out to play, but yet you don't bring a ball. Yeah. So I had to. I brought my ball to the court. And I'm looking around like there's no other ball but mine. <laughs> there's no way. There is no way that
2: you're not giving up the ball. all
1: going to play with my ball, and I'm sitting on the sideline. No, so I, I had it. to tell them, Mm-mm, "I'm part of the." I, I don't care what happens after this first game. Yeah. Win, we'll lose, or draw. I want to be one of the first ten out there on the floor, and. Mm-hmm. And luckily for, for me, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't sit too many times cause I, I knew how to, I knew how to make a team better.
2: Right. <laughs> uh, I really enjoyed watching that. That was, it was, and you talked so eloquently then and now about that, about having the ball. If they, if they want the ball, they got to get you. <laughs> I love that. Um, I don't want to gloss over your college career, but we got other stuff to cover. You had a great career, university of Virginia. Um, then you, you chose to go into the ABL, right? Um, and while you're in the ABL, correct me if I'm wrong, you were, you started to coach. Well, no, then you went to Charlotte Sting. Then you started to coach the Temple Owls while you were still playing, right? Which I thought did. was, I, I couldn't remember that happening. Like, you know, you're playing, what, eight months for them and then you coach coaching four months for, you know, I mean, what was that decision like for you?
1: I mean, it, it it was, it was the best of both worlds. Mm-hmm. And, and honestly, I, I, I never wanted to coach. Mm-hmm. I really never wanted to, I never saw myself as coach, mm-hmm. uh, as a coach mm-hmm. until, you know, the, the AD at Temple gym, you know, the, the Dave O'Brien, you know, called me in and, you know, talked to me a little bit about coaching and mm-hmm. he, he asked me two questions that I'll never, ever forget. <laughs> okay. One, one of the questions was, can you lead? Mm-hmm. So I'm like, I'm like, in my head, in my bubble, I'm like, man, did you do your research? I mean, I this is what I do. I'm in the point guard. I've right. been captains on all of the teams that I have basically been a part of. Can mm-hmm. I lead? I'm looking at him like, why are you? Why am I here? If you're gonna, you know, ask that question. Mm-hmm. And then he asked me, um, can you turn the women's basketball program around? And I and I never looked at it as a challenge.
0: Mm, mm-hmm.
1: I am so drawn to challenges that once he said that, I didn't say this, mm. but I was taking the job mm,
0: mm-hmm, mm-hmm.
1: And with with no coaching, with no coaching experience, amazing.
0: Just, you know, just yeah. being
1: a point guard. Yeah, I it's, figure what I figured whatever I say in the huddle could be sufficient for you know what I would say in a timeout. Right, right. Um, but it was it was cool to be able to coach. For, you know, seven, eight months out of the year and then turn my head over and and go go play where, you know, the the very things that I asked my my players to do at Temple, you know, I was I was I was on display and them seeing. Me do what I do. They they despise turnovers like I despise turnovers. So I always get a text message about, hey coach, you had five turnovers today. Mm. You know that you know <laughs> you got to value the ball. You got to value each possession. Yeah. Hey coach, you didn't take a good shot. So all of those things. It was super cool because they were learning the game. They were they were actually seeing some of the things that we were teaching them as a you know as a coaching staff. They were mm. seeing me, their coach, doing it out there. At the highest level,
2: yeah, it's fascinating to me. Quite honestly, you know, it's like if I if if like I saw Phil Jackson coach, you know, the Bulls, and then that he's playing, you know, or whatever, or that whatever, um, really incredible. So while you were at Temple, the great legendary Hall of Famer uh, John Chaney was coaching the men's team at Temple, right? So, I mean, it's a stupid question, but was he a mentor to you? I mean, how how did he influence you as a coach?
1: I mean coach Chaney was so authentic, real um and he he only loved basketball. It basketball was genderless to him. Mm-hmm. He only saw, you know, how the game should be played. It doesn't even matter if you're a child, you, you know, he could <laughs> stop, you know, he could stop a Tyler game on a on a on a nerf court, on a nerf ball <laughs> um to make sure that you know, his, you know, the the child's feet were underneath them. He always talked about that. Big men have to have great footwork. Mm-hmm. Um, always talked about valuing the ball and valuing each possession. He always taught, he always taught from a worst case scenario. Like I'm going to put you on in the worst spot on the floor. Mm-hmm. Here's why. Because once you get it, get it out of that space, you create an advantage down the floor. So I mean he was a mentor, mm-hmm. he was a friend, he was a giver. He would he was someone that you know until he passed away would call me. He would watch our games. He would call me and tell me, you know, about Asia Wilson, mm-hmm. about Lena Coast. He he <laughs> he had a fascination with the bigs yeah. and their footwork. Mm-hmm. So it was cool. He actually he actually gave me um, his coaching philosophy, all the paperwork that 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 he utilized over his career. Wow um I have and I'm going to I'm going to I'm going to keep it and I'm going to value it I'm going to I'm I I'm going to love up on it I'm going to share it because that's what he would do uh for anyone
2: That's beautiful. You know it's, it's similar to Phil Jackson's relationship with Tex Winter cuz Phil talks, you know, talk how really Tex set him up to be a great coach you know stayed in the in the sidelines a little bit but was a great mentor you know kobe had a great quote It said uh, good coaches tell you where the fish are great coaches tell you how to find them <laughs> <laughs> I, I love i love i love that quote <laughs> it's uh, true. yeah for sure so don so you came to university of south carolina to coach a women's team that had very little notoriety right um and even less fan support, right? Football is king, right, obviously in South Carolina. You literally changed things 180 degrees. Um, you grew the fan base to be the most rabid in the country. You won a national championship in 2017. Um, you know, I, from from what I saw and read about you, I think you wanted to be able to give fans some more credit, more credit than they actually are ever given. Um, because, the, you know, the fan base... Um, at South Carolina, they they are intense, right? I mean, they almost wouldn't allow you guys to fail. Like, can you talk about that about how you built that really from the ground up.
1: You know, I I, I'm, I'm, I have to share this because when you when you take a position like you you know we took here at South Carolina, um, where we we didn't really know anyone, we were starting from scratch, <laughs> we were the doormats of the SEC, mm. and. We, we, we came here saying that we're going to make this, uh, you know, we're going to bring national prominence to, to this region, to this university, to this program. Mm-hmm. And people really thought we were crazy for saying that. And then, you know, when you're when you're changing the culture and you're trying to do these things here in South Carolina, I never I never envisioned a full house. Like I never envisioned <laughs> fans in the stands, only turning the program around and, mm-hmm. and, and what that looked like. Yeah. So when we started having some success and people started coming into, you just, just coming into our arena, filling it up. I, I really didn't know how to act. <laughs> I really didn't know, like, you know, cause it is a, it's a difference for yeah. our, for our players. Mm-hmm. It's a, it's a different atmosphere when you coach mm-hmm. in front of, fifteen thousand versus 1500 mm-hmm. uh, it, it, it takes it takes some adjusting and our players had to adjust to it so
0: mm-hmm.
1: once we and, and I, I will say we we momed and popped it meaning we would we would ask people to come we would we would say you know I, I remember there was a turning point it was back in night sorry 20, 20 13, I want to say, mm-hmm. I sat down with the marketing department as well as our, our associate, our, our, our sports supervisor.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And they, they, they wanted, they wanted, they brought an option of charging like $1 for a ticket, mm-hmm. like a dollar. Yeah. So I'm like, no, no, like, no, no, let's not cheapen, cheapen our product that we're putting on the floor. Mm -hmm. But then our marketing guy, he came up with a, with a cool idea. And that cool idea was, um, he said back in, uh, 2000 and no, it had to be around 2012 Mm -hmm. because I was coaching. I was an assistant coach for the Olympic team. And what happened was he, he, he wanted to play off my Jersey number five. Mm. So he said, let's have a drive for 5,000 fans. And mm-hmm. we blew that out of the water, so yeah. it was a great marketing ploy to get people in. I think we ended up averaging about sixty eight hundred fans that year, mm-hmm. and then two thousand fourteen, we got the you know we had the number two recruiting class. So by then we were bringing in five digit crowds, ten thousand mm-hmm. people at a mm-hmm. time, and then yeah. you know and that was Asia Wilson's from two thousand fourteen to eighteen that's when we drew the largest amount of fans um, in the stands and we had several, several sellouts, but, yeah. but we don't even call them fan, fans. We call them fams F A M S because they're, they're really a part of our family and, and, and our program because they, they created that mm-hmm. we created, you know, a good product. Mm-hmm. They created, you know, what, you know, what, what, what that product is going to play the atmosphere that products was going to play in. Yeah. And you know, it's, it's been a beautiful, awesome experience here in South Carolina because Mm -hmm. of, because of the people.
2: Yeah. Well, kudos to you for helping to build that really from the ground up in a, in football country, by the way, which is not (laughs) easy. (laughs) Um, so, what did it feel like to see your player Asia Wilson? First of all, first pick in the WNBA draft, uh, rookie of the year, and then, of course, MVP in twenty twenty. You talk about you've talked about how like the players are kind of like your kids. You know um, how did, how did that make you feel? I mean, I, I can only imagine, but I'd like to hear from you.
1: Um, I mean, when when your when your your players tell you what they want, like they they have like when we start recruiting them. Mm-hmm. You know, Asia Wilson was sixth, seventh, eighth grade. Um, She she really didn't have any idea what she wanted to do. But so when she started really Mm -hmm. getting good at it and putting into basketball what she wanted to get out of it, Mm -hmm. she started formulating these goals. And one of them was, you know, she wanted to be the top high school player in the country. She Mm -hmm. checked that off. Um, She wanted to be the first pick in the 2018 draft. Check that off. So when they're able to start checking off lifelong dreams that that they told you and we 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 wrote down and I'm able to check it off in the Asia Mm. Wilson page (laughs) um it is a super proud moment um because you know young people don't always get what they want and Mm. they don't always get what they work for Mm -hmm. um for one reason or another but then you and but then you come across someone like Asia Wilson who I think has a has favor, God's favor on her side when it comes to
0: mm-hmm.
1: when it when it comes to the things that she wants. Mm-hmm. Very, not very many of us are able to to feel that favor. But when you do, it, it has other people scratching their heads like, how does that happen? Mm-hmm. And for her, her family, they they've done things the right way, mm-hmm. like the right way. And I'm so happy for them because because a lot of people would want to shortchange the process and get there quicker than they should get there. And when you when when you don't when you let the if you, when you trust the process,
0: mm-hmm.
1: um, you'll have longevity. Mm-hmm.
0: You mm-hmm.
1: know, o- over the long haul. Yeah. Versus forcing it, where you know sometimes you're there short lived, and mm-hmm. that's not what you want. But you know, I'll, I'll come across some players that will want to take the the short route. Mm-hmm. And the short route means you stay there shorter. Yeah. You know, the long route, you know, could possibly end up, you know, having a, a long story career. But Asia Wilson is 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 is, is that because mm-hmm. she does it the right way.
2: Right. You said in that uh, I don't know if it was in the Player Tribune article or the Netflix special, but you, you talked about that um, that one of the steps to winning is losing. Right. And in your own case, going back to losing the national championship game the way you guys did, it was heartbreaking. Right. But that it made you a better person. And as a coach, how do you get that across to your players? How does how does that work?
1: Well, as a coach, you not only have to get that across to your your players, you have to get that across to their parents. <laughs> right. I mean, that's yeah. a big uh, dynamic yeah. to it because. Very true. Um parents and I have some great parents who are just vested in their children. Mm-hmm. Um, and I do think sometimes they think that the trajectory of success is just always upward.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And that's not it. I, I I I have to constantly remind them that sometimes you gain by losing,
0: mm-hmm.
1: by getting cut from a team. Mm-hmm. By by losing in a, in a national championship game, mm-hmm. um, by having a you know a a, a, a slumping sophomore season,
0: mm-hmm.
1: um, or just having a bad week, mm-hmm. It's, mm-hmm. it's part of your journey, and you know adversity is the, the very thing that allows you to to grow, mm-hmm. or, or it will stunt your growth. Mm-hmm. So I am you know, and to me, I'm 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 a better coach when I'm coaching someone that's coming off of a failure or a shortcoming, mm-hmm. because I know all the right things to say to them because I've been there before. Mm-hmm. Like every, if you look at my career, you will probably only point out the, all the good. Mm-hmm. You won't point out that I, that I got cut in the 1992 Olympics, the Olympic trials.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: You you won't point out that I didn't win a national championship in college.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, you won't point out all of these you know all of these crossroads in my life, mm-hmm. uh, because what I've done is I've, you know, I've hurt the obstacles and I just got to the other side. And whatever came, um, I, I dealt with. So, you know, for young people, they don't they don't get it. You know, we're in the we're in the era where it's instant gratification. It is I want it here, I want it now, and I want I, mm-hmm. want I want I want I want I mm-hmm. want. Yet, you know, you you rob yourself of creating strength
0: because mm-hmm. you
1: create strength from failure.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, mm-hmm. strength isn't just you know, and, I, and I and I'll just mention this like I had a player who was a gym rat like she's in practice, a well be up before anyone else. Um she stays late, she comes in between and for the for the for the life of her everything in her her basketball career was a physical thing. Mm. And we know once you get to the next level, it's part physical and much more mental.
0: Mm-hmm. So
1: mm-hmm. until you're able to uh, understand that, you're going to keep trying to, I, I'm gonna shoot, I'm going to shoot. Mm-hmm. Man, you're going to get tired. You're going to tire yourself out. So you got to figure out some other ways. You can, you, can, you can strengthen your mental ability by watching film. Mm-hmm. You can straight, strengthen it by just sometimes sitting down and watching some other people or, or talking to your coach. These are all mental things that will help strengthen you for when your physical is not up to par. So, you know, I try to tell her like, okay, just say you're not a hundred percent all the time. Cause you're never going to be a hundred percent. once you start, you know, your pro career, you always, mm-hmm. something's always going to be nagging you. Mm-hmm. So how do you, how do you get your mind? To play top level without being a hundred percent mentally you do that mm-hmm. so um I'm, I'm always a big proponent of, of, of letting athletes know that mental is the physical is four is the one I learned that from a <laughs> I learned that from Tar Vanderveer mm-hmm. who learned who uh who got that from Bobby Knight mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. it's a long you know lineage of, of coaches who really understand that dynamic to playing playing this game
2: yeah yeah for sure i i i love the lesson of uh learning from failure i mean all the greats have michael jordan in his hall of fame speech pointed to the coach that cut him you know the kid yeah. that made it above him the J, uh, jv right in high school kobe you know of course famous for that um your 2013 hall of fame Hall of Fame and Shryman speech, um, you said something that was really uh, hit me like right here. You said um, every experience has been purposeful, right? And then you've also said that divine intervention can work both ways. So those are incredible, um, I guess, mantras, uh, ways to live, um, things to pass on to your players.
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I, I've been incredibly fortunate, and again, it's it's favor. Um, everything everything that I've needed to know I've experienced it before I've needed to know them. Like mm-hmm. it, it's incredible. Mm-hmm. Like I go to a place like the university of South, I mean, sorry, university of Virginia. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. Predominantly white university. I'm from the projects of North Philly. I don't, I don't really know how to navigate. Mm-hmm. I just stay close to myself. I played a whole lot of basketball outside. I never really socialized with anybody outside of my teammates. Mm-hmm. Um, but then you fast forward 30 years later, 22 years later, I find myself here at the university of South Carolina, predominantly white, just, um, um, a, a, a racial, um, uh, just historically speaking state, mm-hmm. you know, I'm, I'm one of two black head coaches. I got to learn to navigate through that. But my time at Virginia Prepare me for that. Mm-hmm. And that preparation was you, you gotta get outside of your, your comfort zone
0: mm-hmm.
1: to, to to really understand and to also to reach a mass of people. Mm-hmm. And I've been very fortunate that I I just listened. Some people don't listen to these signs that 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 are that come your way. Mm-hmm. You ignore them or you just say, Oh, I'm gonna do it my way. But sometimes your way is just being at peace and understanding your surroundings, and understand basically, it it really is about it's about um, forging relationships with people. You know, even when even when you don't you don't think you, you you're getting something in return, mm-hmm. you just you're just saying hi. Down here, you they force you to say hi. <laughs> you know, up in the city, Philly, New York, Mm -hmm. you know, you, you just, you get to, you know, as quickly as you can Mm -hmm. here. No, they, they want to stop. They want to talk. They want to tell you about (laughs) their history. They want to tell you about their family. And I have to stop. And, and, you know, know, when I first got here, I'm just like, Oh man, (laughs) I just, I just came to the grocery store to get, you know, a box of cereal, you know? And, but but now I find myself just like, Hey, I I just, I welcome it now Mm -hmm. because Mm -hmm. You know, look what the people in this community have done Mm -hmm. in helping us build our program and making it an incredible place to bring young people and their families here, Mm -hmm. you know, to Columbia, South Carolina and, you know, to to make one of the biggest trans, you know, positions of their life and, Mm -hmm. and being a a college student going on to, to the real world once they done, they're done here.
2: Yeah, it's amazing. Hey, I don't want to leave this part of the conversation without talking about your 24-hour rule. <laughs> because as a parent, right, I'm not a coach, but I'm a coach in my house. That's, that is a great rule <laughs> that I have to learn myself. <laughs> Could you explain it?
1: Yeah, it's, it's, it's super cool. Like yeah. I, 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 I've been around competitive people all of my life all of my life. I'm, I'm probably, you know, the most competitive people you ever want to meet or don't want to meet. Um, <laughs> and I, and I find myself being attracted to those type of people. So mm-hmm. I recruit those type of players who they take losses hard, like mm-hmm. really hard that it, it used to linger on, you know, for days. Whereas I'm like, I have to do something because we're we're missing opportunities to continue to win and be successful because we're wallowing in this sorrow of defeat, so I just, I just felt like the twenty-four hour rule was a great rule to implement because um, whether you're in a victory or defeat, you, you, you gotta keep moving. Mm-hmm. You can't stay in one space, and sometimes that space, you know, whether it's a, you know, what is it, a, a, a big loss mm-hmm. um, against, just say UConn, or a big win against UConn. You you can't stay in that moment or else your next opponent is going to be right there waiting on you mm-hmm. to spoil a big win or add to those defeats.
2: Right. I hear you. Um, Don, I'm trying to be respectful of your time. I got so much to ask you, but I want to ask you two more things. All right two and a half more things. I want to talk about social justice issues for specifically your Players Tribune article that you wrote in uh, in 2020 almost a year ago and uh, the title was uh, black people are tired. Right? It's incredibly powerful. I sensed the tremendous frustration that you had as well all of us had that things have not changed. So now that we've gone through the election, we have a new administration Are you hopeful that things are going to get better? You know, one of the themes of of your article was was about voting, that that's how we can change things. So the country has made a statement, you know, some people don't believe it, but most of us do. (laughs) Right. Uh, How how are you? Are you feeling optimistic right now?
1: Well, I'm feeling optimistic right now because there's a different president, Mm -hmm. um, you know, but you know, that optimism is slowly fading because of the voting laws that are mm. happening across this country that's taking place that, you know, and, mm-hmm. you know, it, it, it just you know, is it, incredible that that these things are happening, you know, to to depress mm. people from. I mean, it's it, 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 it,
0: yeah, it's. It, you, it's like you put
1: it, yourself in a position it, you know like the American way which is you know our democracy 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 says that that everybody everybody who is of legal age mm-hmm. and um, um could vote
0: mm-hmm.
1: when we when we started pumping um, people to get to the the polls and vote and to register the vote, which is the American way? Now we have to fight some other laws that say you know you can't do this or that mm-hmm, you know mm-hmm. when it comes time to vote, and I I do think it's because of you know in the future um, the you know the the people of color mm-hmm. you know and that just minorities are going to be the majority mm-hmm. in our country, and it's gonna it, it's gonna start um, tilting in the, in the favor of. You know what the majority is today, so mm. um, there is optimism. But we got to continue to fight for what is right and what is right for all people. Mm-hmm. I, you know, I'm a black woman, obviously, and um, and I, I see my I see my blackness more and more nowadays because people pointed out. I'm not out there saying I'm a black woman. No, people are the ones that are pointed out mm-hmm. if I say something like. You know, we had two black women in the final four, um, which has never been done.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, two black women in the final uh, in the final SEC tournament um, this year. Mm-hmm. Um, and people often if I promote that, people often say, why can't it just be two, you know, great coaches? Well, it, it still can be two great coaches, mm-hmm. but when it's historical, we, 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 we should give the flowers while people can smell them because it hasn't been that we're in 2021 mm-hmm. if we' if we're celebrating that two black women in the final four two black women in the SEC mm-hmm. tournament championship gang you know somewhere there there have been some failures that means that women black women aren't getting the opportunity black men aren't getting the opportunity to be there mm-hmm. so let's celebrate it let's you know let's see if we can get more there. Because that that's been the norm mm-hmm. to have it you know unlike what it was this year, that's the norm mm-hmm. and why can't why can't what happened this year be the norm
0: mm-hmm.
1: where yeah. everybody's represented in that way, so
0: yeah, I hear you, you. no know,
1: it, it we got a long way to go, but <laughs> progress is being made,
2: yeah, yeah, I hear you, um I want to talk about your foundation because I know that's really important to you and it's part of you. It's, it's, it's your mission. Um, can you talk about the Don Staley foundation and also, uh, which you established way back in 1996, by the way, and your work with inner soul and, and other organizations.
1: Well, well, the Don Staley foundation is not functioning um, as we speak
0: mm-hmm.
1: uh, one. And it hasn't in a couple of years. Yeah. Um, because when I moved down to South Carolina, um, we We survived maybe a year or two mm-hmm. um, because in 2008 that's when that's when everything went crashing down mm-hmm. um, and we stayed afloat for another year mm-hmm. but it was hard with me being in South Carolina and it still going on in, in Philadelphia. Mm-hmm. I just didn't have the personnel to continue that right So what I did was we're, we're still with inner soul we' we're, we're, we're still service servicing um children that grew up like I grew up like Mm -hmm. we service um homeless children children who are in need and Mm -hmm. what we do is we give them um a new pair of sneakers um through the school system say we 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 talk to the social workers we talk to the school nurses those are the people who are really Mm -hmm. um have that that relationship and that interaction with the, the people that we serve but we also started a Educate My Soul um, initiative with uh, elementary elementary school and elementary schools where down here in South Carolina we have what is called MAP testing. So you gotta you have to uh, pass a test to get to the next grade, or mm-hmm. else you got you get left behind. Mm-hmm. So we go into underperforming elementary schools and cre- we created this Educate My Soul um, program, which is there are. Competitions between we started in second grade, second, third, fourth, and fifth. So all those classes within that grade, those mm-hmm. grades, um, we we implemented this this program that that uh, measures these variables: reading, class attendance, behavior, physical fitness, and um, um did I say attendance?
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah,
1: behavior. Mm-hmm. So. So each grading period, uh, each class, group of classes, they they're in competition.
0: Mm-hmm. So
1: whatever whatever class grades highest out of all of them, we take a one hundred and probably 20 pairs of sneakers each grading period. And I'm not talking I'm not talking about and there's nothing against, <laughs> you know, targeting. But we take the Kobe's, we take the mm-hmm. KDs, we mm-hmm. take the Jordan's. Yeah. Those are the type of sneakers that we give out because we want them to, to really um – Instill these variables in their lives because these are the very things that will allow them to grow not not only to get to the next grade in elementary but mm-hmm. hopefully the higher education.
2: Well, keep it going, Don. That's amazing. It's great work you're doing down there. The last thing I want to ask you, okay, is if you have a personal memory of a fellow Philadelphian, the great Kobe Bryant. Anything personal that you can share with us? I mean, it doesn't have to be personal, but a memory, a story. Yeah, yeah. Some kind of mentorship, anything.
1: Well, you know, you know, Kobe Col- and I, when he was at lower Marion mm-hmm. as a junior, we, we used to come up to St. Joe's where the Sixers used to practice. Mm. Um, and he would get in the drills and I know that's probably not, you know, <laughs> that's <laughs> probably tampering a little bit, but you know, John Lucas is one that he just wants people to get better. Uh. So, you know, it's not only, not only did he have Kobe getting out and doing, doing the drills and playing pickup. He had me, I, I used to wait there. After the sixes were done, I would get my workout in. Cause I was, I was, I was training for the, the Olympics. And then, mm. you know, uh, John Lucas used to, he used to see me there and mm. he was like, you know, what are you doing here? You supposed to be with the Olympic team or the national
0: team. Yeah.
1: And yeah. I told him that, you know, I got a, you know, I got a knee injury and John Lucas flew me down to see to see Dr. Andrews in Birmingham, Alabama just just because he wanted to make sure I, I got to the best. Wow! But I, I say that to say that that Kobe Bryant, when we were we used to be at St. Joe's, he fit in as a junior in high school. <laughs> like you know, he was in a, he was Kobe Bryant, mm-hmm. like unafraid of anything. <laughs> I belong here, you know. If I make a mistake. My chest is still up and high, mm-hmm. and he he had this air about him to know that he he was gonna be great, and mm-hmm. he would let you know as a junior, this is where he's belong, this is where he belongs playing in the league, and it may not be with the Sixers, but he's gonna be in the league.
2: Yeah, he had that Philly swagger, even though he didn't really grow up in Philly. He didn't get there till high school, but uh, right. he, he had right. that Philly thing going, man. <laughs> You know, his dad, his dad was born with it. <laughs> oh, yeah. No, I know Joe Jellybean really well. And uh, uh-huh. I actually visited Lower Marion um, last year it was right before the pandemic. And it was wonderful. I got to speak to the student body about the book we did together. It was uh-huh. it, it was a great moment for me, you know, to see where it all started, you know. So, cool, cool. Don, I, I can't thank you enough. I know we went way over, and I'm sorry, but you were so accommodating. And I, and I got more notes, at stuff I didn't even ask you about. But I knew when I first met you in 96 that we had a bond. Yeah, I don't know if it was like an East Coast thing we, or something. We, we had some fun you know, card games camera, together. You
0: yeah. camera,
1: but you always had that connect. We always right. had that connection. And we
2: got into <laughs> some card games together, I remember. You know, that was fun. But uh, I wish you all the best. I, I wish you the best for all success in Tokyo, of course. And I know I'll see you along the way, but um, thanks for taking this time. You're a true legend of sport. And I, I can't thank you enough. So thank you.
1: Appreciate it. Baby. Thank you.
2: All right, Don. Have a great day. All right. You too. All right. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye. Well, everyone, I hope you enjoyed this episode with the legendary Dawn Staley. Her life story and lessons are so interesting. I've known her a long time, and she is definitely a legend of sport. Thanks also, as always, to my producer and researcher, Veronica Ahn. Thanks, everyone, for continuing to download and subscribe to our podcast. A reminder that you can find us on the LA Times app and online, as well as your favorite podcast platforms, including Apple and Spotify. Please keep following us on Instagram, at Legends of Sport, our Twitter, at Legends underscore of Sport, our blog, at legendsofsport.blog and our tiktok and youtube channels legends of sport you can find my photography on instagram as always at adb inc so thanks again everyone we'll be back in two weeks with another great guest another great episode and some really really great stories so tune back in until then stay safe and stay well